Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. Hello, everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host today on this Globig Podcast. Our hot international expansion topic is the new EU timekeeping rule, information and impact. And our guest expert is Adam Sheffield. He's the Chief Revenue Officer for Global Upside Corporation. And Global Upside includes Global Upside, the brand, Global PEO Services, Mihi, and Gava Talent Solutions. Global Upside is a global conglomerate specializing in international business, operating in over 150 countries. Adam, it's really great to have you as a guest today. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate letting me be uh, on this podcast with you today. Absolutely. So this one's been, this topic is really interesting because it's kind of tripping up a bunch of companies from what I found. So let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's just set the stage. So what is this new EU timekeeping ruling? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's, it kind of hit a lot of, especially U.S.-based companies by surprise. Um, in fact, you know, here, here we are in October, and it actually came out in May of this year, 2019. And basically what the ruling is, the European Court of Justice ruled that companies operating in the EU, EU must set up a, a time and attendance system that tracks uh, the, the hours that their employees work. And people are like, well, yeah, that makes sense. We have a lot of hourly people, and that's what we track. No, it's saying all employees. So salaried employees, executives, they also need to track their time uh, on a daily basis to make sure it, it, it applies. Right. And that's been the big surprise. And, and they're probably not super prepared for that. So what exactly triggered this? So why, why now? Right. Because like you said, people have been doing a version of this, but maybe not as detailed. Um, so why now? Yeah, why, why, what happened? What, what, what's caused it? Well, it stems from um, the Spanish trade union. It actually happened in, in Spain. Um, the, the trade union, um, they, they took basically a subsidiary of a German bank, Deutsche Bank, which is the, the union claim that it was illegally failing to pay workers for overtime hours. The trade union alleged that Spanish's timekeeping laws were too lax and did not require detailed record keeping of the hours worked by the employees. So they wanted to make sure that they were getting paid for all their hours, which led to uh, Deutsche Bank underreporting the hours worked by their employees and underpaying them for the overtime that they worked. So they made this claim. And um, according to the records provided to the court, over 53% of overtime hour worked by Spanish workers were not properly recorded or compensated. The union argued that this was contrary to EU's overall labor policies and laws, and that the court should require stricter reporting laws in the country so that workers were fully compensated for the hours that they worked. So that was the claim. And what happened is the court agreed with them. Hmm. Um, a worker's right to be fairly compensated for the total number of hours worked is a fundamental right. I put that in quotations. Um, under the EU charter, and that the member states of the EU must properly enforce it. The court said that an objective and reliable determination of the number of hours worked each day and each week is essential in order to establish whether the maximum weekly working time, including overtime, 
and minimum daily and weekly rest periods have been complied with. And therefore, all member states must establish laws that mandate more detailed timekeeping. Wow, so that's a nutshell, mouthful. <laughs> it is. It isn't. I wanted to kind of read that that statement, but in a nutshell, what's happening is they made this this ruling um, in Spain, and so now all European Union members need to comply, and they're complying. Every country's complying differently. Um, we've mm. seen a lot of different things that are happening in that aspect. In one country, it can mean that the overtime hours clicked in at 42, and in Spain, it's 47. Um, and then what does that mean? And can you opt out? We're seeing that being one of the things that uh, companies are trying to get employees to do and try to get kind of to bypass this ruling is for uh, employees to sign off that they're okay to have to work more hours. <laughs> um, and that's not going so well. Some countries are allowing that, some aren't. It's kind of a mess right now. And a lot of companies are scrambling to try to figure out how to make it work. So what's interesting is so the mandate is that they have to track it, but each country is then applying their own version of that that means well here's what overtime means here's what is allowed here's what rest time means and so all of a sudden you've got these kind of significant reporting requirements and a whole bunch of countries with totally different approaches to it right yeah absolutely it's the, the impact has been very very challenging for companies to get on top of um, because they don't really know really what's happening in that specific country, or maybe the country hasn't made a clear, defined statement on how they're going to um, abide by this this ruling. And so they're trying to figure that out. Um, and a lot of companies are scrambling to find systems to track these employees because a lot of a lot of companies they have salaried em- employees everywhere, and they right. fall within that. You know, they felt they were they were classified correctly. But now they now have to track their hours. And so they're scrambling to find out, okay, what's, what system do we use? Mm-hmm. And how do we handle this? What do we do? We do it manually? Do we do, do we Excel spreadsheets? Do we have them clocking in with the old, you know, kachin clocks? Or, I mean, what, what do they do? Um, and it, it's, been, it's been kind of a hectic, hectic time for a lot of companies to deal with this law. So, yeah, so there's tons of companies now that don't actually have the capabilities of tracking. And I would imagine, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, that they're probably finding a whole bunch of people in maybe in breach of traditional overtime requirements. Is that something else that's that you're seeing as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing that because a lot of companies are still unaware of this ruling, uh, even though it's been a few months now, and they're not complying by it because they don't even know about it. The challenge is what's going to happen is when you start to have a disagreement with an employee, right? A termination mm-hmm. happens. And then all of a sudden, this company's going to find out the hard way that, oh, you should have been paying me overtime for the last, you know, the last year. Uh, you should be paying me X amount of money. And, and they never did this. And, and they should have been compliant with the law. And they're not. And it can be significant. I know in Spain, one of the rulings is it has to track time for, for four years um, cool. of these employees. So you have, to, you have to not just, you know, not just clock in and out for the week, but you have to store that for four years for these right. employees. So, what are some mm-hmm. of the things that companies now actually have to track? Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, like you had mentioned the old time card stamping method. I can't imagine this is going to be something that they can 
really do unless you just have like a couple people, right? There's so one technology is kind of key, but within that, like what are the things that that technology actually has to do so that they know what they need to yeah. be looking for? Yeah. So to answer that question simply, there's some standard things that they all need, right? And I'll share with you what those are, some of them, right? And then there's, there's uniquenesses by country um, as well, right? So the standard that kind of everyone needs to ha have is uh, to clock in, right? So to speak, or, you know, to check in at some point of when you start your, your day, okay? And then when do you end your day? What's the work, end of the work day look like? Okay, so that's kind of your base requirements. And believe it or not, that, that capability to be able to track that, that piece. However, within that, this is where there's a lot of variances. It could be rest time, right? And it could be how many hours are they working for that day? Do they cross the threshold of overtime by day? Or is it going to be by week? Or is it going to be by pay period? Right? So there's all these kind of nuances that go into factoring these proper um, kind of new wage and hour laws, right? What's the calculations behind it is where they're struggling. And so to, to, in the easy way to think about it, the kind of standard piece is clocking in for the day and clocking out. But then the question really comes in by, by job type, um, I should say as well. That's another thing, by job type, what their, what their job is, um, but also what's their rest periods look like. How much time do they work in that one hour, you know, that day and in that week, for example? Mm -hmm. It all factors into what the new overtime rules need to be. Ouch, this is a really big deal. And how do you do it mm -hmm. retroactively, too? Right. Like, so if there are companies, and I would assume many, many are, and I know certainly some of them, I, should, I will definitely not tell you who I'm thinking about, but. Um, this is not mm -hmm. going to be something that you can really do retroactively very well, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that, well that, that's it, right? I mean, a lot of companies are scrambling, right, to get a system in place that could be compliant, um, you know, compliant in all the different countries and, and be ready to go. Um, but a lot of them are trying to figure out how do you handle this ret retroactively and do we draw a line in the sand or do we try to build something kind of mythical in the past over the last few months? And quite frankly, as some of our clients, we're seeing a little bit of both, right? Mm. We certainly can help them at, a, at, at the point in time when we have, you know, what, you know, a system up and running that we have uh, that's compliant kind of out of the box. Um, but, but there's a lot of companies are really struggling with that because if you think about it, um, where do you go for that answer, right? Where do you go to go get a time and labor solution that's you know, one that works in Spain and one works in Italy and the one that, that's going to be compliant in France. And, you know, they're all different languages that we're talking about. They have different wage and hour laws. And so we see a lot of companies will actually go to each individual country and try to find a, a, a solution by country. And then that opens up a whole nother challenge that companies now face. Yes, they might be compliant by country, but now they don't have a holistic view of their workforce. Right. Right? You start you know, a lot of them have spent a lot of money to, to build these big HR systems that might be compliant in that country. Well, all of a sudden now the wage and hour is another vendor they have to manage, right? It's another system they have to log into. It's not integrated with anything. It's kind of a standalone piece just to be compliant with this law. And so that's, that's the challenges that they're faced with today. I mean, it, it's interesting because, I mean, you guys didn't build your system specifically for this, but now knowing... No. what's going on it's such a perfect fit i mean i think that you're one of really the few that can actually do this and for companies of different sizes as well right 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. We built we built Vihi, which is a, a global time and attendance HR technology solution that does PTO tracking, just to help support companies across the world. It's in 15 different languages. It's in 70 countries out of the box compliant with the local wage and hour law. So we built that because there was a need anyways, right? And we had time and attendance was always a part of that for their hourly workers. Well, now with this new ruling, I mean, it, it even makes something like that so much more valuable to client, to our clients and the, to, to be able to track their workforce and have it integrate with other systems that they might have, have via our APIs and things like that. So um, it's been, uh, in fact, it's funny, when this ruling came out, um, I was sitting in a, in a meeting with uh, a bunch of partners and one of the partners actually came to us and said, take a look at this ruling and we need to figure out how we can get our kind of their clock interface uh, to help support global because they realized that that was going to be a big push for them now that this ruling came out. They brought it to our attention as soon as it happened. Yeah, I bet. You know, we, we've talked about this before, but they're, you know, the, the larger HR systems are really not able to support yeah. mid to smaller size companies unless they have thousands of people in a single country. And so that's why I think a lot of these companies have found to, they've just been trying to ignore this and try to push it under the table. And now with this ruling, the pressure's on, right? And so it's just a matter of saying, all right, no, but there, there really are systems that can support you at the size you're at. You don't have to have, you could have a hundred yeah. people in a country or, you know, 20 people or right. 200 people or whatever that is. And it still makes a lot of sense. So it's something to think about. And, and I, and I love that about me. It's, it's like the, you, you know, you built it for something you didn't know was happening, but it's certainly like the right thing at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. We, we did kind of luck out in that forefront that we were already ready to go. So it's been easy. And again, we, we have to audit our and change all the local laws all the time I bet. because these yeah. things are being rolled out. And so we, we pride ourselves to make sure that it is it stays compliant, right? It's not a one-time event to be compliant in a given country, mm-hmm. especially when laws like this change. Well, and even within each country and regionally that it's changing all the time. So I think it's so impossible to stay on top of it. So I'm glad that you guys are doing it. Now, for all those companies that haven't yet become compliant, what's the risk for non-compliance? I mean, I know we've talked about business impact, but, you know, what is the risk impact? Well, we haven't we haven't seen a lot of fines yet because it's still fairly new. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I can't say, you know, we saw this and this happened to this company. We don't have that yet. Um, I, I think there is kind of an understanding that companies are trying to figure this out. But it goes back to any, any type of wage and hour fines that exists. I mean, we're used to it in the United States and those type of fines that happen. I mean, they could be significant. But can you imagine Europe? Right. To make sure that those things are done right and proper and that you find that you're out of compliance. And and that goes into the employee contracts, the cabinet issues and all these type of things that impacts all aspects of the employment agreement. Um, so it is it is significant. So it is something that companies cannot avoid. They can't put their head in the sand. Um, this is not something that you could just take a U.S. system and try to, you know, just throw throw some, you know, clocking in and out. It actually has to be compliant in that country. If not, you're going to find yourself in a bad spot when there's a termination or there's a complaint brought up against you, like a union or whatever the case might be, Um, because a lot of European workers are actually in unions and work councils and things like that, and they're paying attention to these things. Because ultimately, 
they see it as you're not paying me for the overtime that I'm working. Therefore, I should get paid this. And anytime you have that type of conversation and the and you're out of compliance with the government to pay somebody that, that they that is by law now their right to be paid, then it's not going to go well for for the company. I think that's actually a really really important point that your employees, if you're not tracking, they might be, and it's pretty important to reconcile that before it becomes a problem and you don't actually have the support on the company side because the employee will win no doubt if they're paying attention yeah absolutely right i mean think about if you have to terminate someone in a given country in europe and they're part of a work council or a union and they say okay you have to go through this process and one of the first things that they're going to ask that employee is hey if i'm you know i work for the work council or the union Show us your timekeeping. What type of timekeeping system did you utilize when you were there as a salaried employee? Right. Right. I mean that 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 is a that is a basic question that will come. And and if a company's, you know, kind of thought, oh, I have time or I'll figure it out if that happens or I can handle that risk, well, that can be significant all of a sudden because then it spreads into your current workforce, not just the people that are terminated. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a number of US companies about this and there's still this sort of head in the sand thing about, well, you know what, my employees would never do that. But what they don't realize is culturally, it's a very accepted process in the EU to negotiate more aggressively around these things and to be on a different side than the employer is. And it's it's pretty much assumed and expected that you have to battle a little bit or maybe aggressively negotiate is a better word uh, your rights and, and make sure that they're being managed and so it's not uncommon for even current employees to take that on with a company oh, whereas yeah. you wouldn't see that here so much because there's still that sometimes the you know the at-will employment here and the and right. the risk of it not being looked upon well whereas that risk isn't there as much, and it's actually very accepted culturally that, yeah, employees yeah. are going to not agree with the company on certain things. And they're actually, you still have them as employees and you still work well together and yep. they will battle you on this. So, Yeah, that is, that is so true. Um, that is always a surprise, I think, for U.S. companies to go um, to different cultures and set up different uh, entities. That is a challenge that they face. It is very common for that to happen. And it's common for, for employees to talk amongst each other about some of these things too, right? Um, it's not like you have a one problem employee that typically just spreads and they want to say, hey, we want something done here, right? This is okay. what the law is. And this is how we see the law. So what are we doing to fix it, right? right. And, and, and because ultimately at the end of the day, right, they are saying we are being shorted, right, our money our working money that we, you know, our overtime hours or whatever the case might be um, that needs to be paid to us. So well, those numbers were significant from the Spanish, the court order, right? Those were very big numbers of overtime or salaries that weren't being paid. And those are, yeah, people know that. Yeah. Yep, 53% of overtime hours were not being paid for properly. Right. So then if others think, okay, that might be the same for us, that's a really, really big deal for them. Yeah. Yes. 
Yep. So, so for companies that are all right, not in compliant, you've got a really fantastic software um, SaaS solution mm-hmm. that they could jump in. Can you work with them retroactively, or is it really then moving forward? You just set up, and then you kind of come up with a all right, we yeah, probably I'll estimate from here. Well, and I, I think I think there is a little bit of an understanding, right? If you're working towards and trying to get compliant, right? I think there is a little bit of a leeway. So it wasn't like everyone was compliant day one. And like I said, the countries are still are developing some of these parameters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't fully sent out what that looks like in their in their given country, and they kind of kind of sprinkles in. Um, so to, to answer your question, yes, we we help clients all the time that are saying, "Hey, we need some help here," um, and they could be large clients, small, medium sized clients. Kind of depends on their their needs, um, but certainly we're putting this together in place for them. Um, so they are compliant right, right, right out of the box. It's pretty easy to set up. It's inexpensive. Um, and they can go and, and know that they're compliant and be able to handle these things and know that they're going to be compliant, you know, three months from now when, you know, one of their countries makes a change, right? We're on mm-hmm. top of that to make sure that those things are being programmed so that the algorithms and all that type of stuff behind the scenes, the wage and hour laws are being applied properly. So they can actually track those things for their employees. And the good good news is it's in their local language, has all the localization that's needed on the HR component piece as well. So a lot of companies will, for example, they might have a big HR system or they might even have a big time and labor system um, that's fantastic, right? There's a lot of unique things for them. However, to move fast, they might struggle to get those things customized and spend a lot of time and money to program those things. Versus just plugging us in, connecting it via API, so that you still have a true global system of record with the system that you've paid for, um, but yet all the localizations are given. All those things are now in compliance, and it makes it a lot easier for companies to move forward. That makes sense. It's a very good solution for that. So don't forget to check out mehe.com. Um, it will mm-hmm. help you get there much much faster. So in, in closing, I, I mean, we know that there's a lot of pros and cons and the impact is yet to really be kind of developed and, and it'll be, I think, great for us maybe to revisit this uh, in a year to say, all right, so how does, what yeah. does it look like and how are, yep. you know, how have companies solved this? And I think that obviously this is a really great solution and, and we highly recommend it. What we don't want to see is, is companies just struggling with this and getting into hot water with the different governments that they're in and with their employees or future employees. These are really, really big deals and we just need to take them much more serious. So, you know, with that, Adam, I just want to thank you so much for sharing and and just kind of walking us through kind of the reality and what you're seeing um, on the ground there. It's always a pleasure to have you as our guest. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, having having me on again. Thank you. Absolutely. So for our listeners, um, please Join the free resource hub on globig.co if you're serious about doing business internationally and growing your business quickly. Um, We will help you with that. So um, don't forget to check out great services like Global Upside and Mehi.com and the rest of the group because it definitely makes your day-to-day much more productive. And you can also subscribe to this podcast channel for more fantastic international expansion podcasts.